ready to dive in to this next installment of Find Joy. Uh, you know, my daughter, uh, if you're new to Catalyst, we have three kids, Christine and I. And uh, we have a nine, seven, and four-year-old, so pray for us. And my youngest, Abigail, when she was about two years old, um, she kind of went through that phase like many of you. Any parents of two-year-olds in the room, come on. Uh, if there are any parents of two-year-olds, just go ahead and stretch your hands towards them. We'll pray for them right now. Come on. Uh, but when she was two, she was kind of in that phase of, 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 of tantrums and, you know, just it seems like there are some days when you have especially one, two, and three-year-olds, that, that kind, of, kind of frame of life, um, they, they can be fussy for what appears to be almost no reason. And their primary form of communication uh, is crying or whining. And there was this season where it seemed as if that nothing could stop the, the whining. Uh, try, to, try to pick her up and hold her to no avail. Uh, try to give her a snack. Come on, when all else fails, eat a snack, right? To no avail. Uh, and there was only one thing during this brief period of time that could help calm her down, turn her frustration into joy. And that was by watching, don't judge me, this isn't a parenting message, okay? But watching on YouTube the Baby Shark music video. <laughs> True story. So in the Burroughs household, you would commonly hear baby shark do 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 baby shark do 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 baby shark do 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 baby shark shark do do okay. Some of you act like you don't know it. You know you know it. Come on. So we we would commonly she would it would like put a smile on her face, regardless of of whatever she was frustrated about. It would give her joy. And, and here's why this ties into today's message, because we are in the book of Philippians. We're going through the book of Philippians. If you're new to Catalyst, we teach in series. And it's called Find Joy because one of the primary themes in the book of Philippians is joy. And Paul in Philippians 4 um, kind of acknowledges the fact, because he was writing to the church at Philippi who were experiencing persecution, and he himself was in prison. And he acknowledges that they may have some anxieties, some frustrations, some worries. But he really gives some application and direction on how we can find joy. In fact, I've entitled today's message, Turn Worry into Joy. Because Paul gives us some direction on how we can do so. I'm not saying it's easy. But I am saying Paul gives us some clear instruction on some things that we can do in our lives to experience this. But first, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's truly a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As we open it up today, Father, we know that you are speaking to us. So we posture our hearts and our minds to listen for your voice today. It's in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, if you have your Bibles. Uh, we're going to read about six scriptures. The Apostle Paul writes this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will again say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, 
If anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've heard or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I'm going to share with you kind of three applications from this few, these six verses on how we can turn our worry into joy. Here's point number one, if you're taking notes, that Paul highlights that we must pray with persistence. We must pray with persistence. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. You know, I think he wrote that. I think because he's in prison and he may have had some anxiety he was battling. He, he knew he was writing to a group of Christians who were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. And he knew they probably had some things to be anxious about. And here's what I know today, probably some of you sitting in this room and watching online, that you have some things in life that you maybe are battling anxiety about. Maybe you're worried about the school year upcoming. Maybe yourself, you are a student and you're not sure what to expect. Maybe your child's school year last year didn't go so well and you're a little bit nervous about who his teacher will be this year. Maybe tomorrow you have a meeting at work that you're not necessarily looking forward to, that you're worried about. Uh, maybe right now you're, you kind of had some unexpected bills and you're facing some financial stress and anxiety. And here's what Paul is saying, and I've said this before, but this is important. And write this down. It's Paul saying, allow your anxiety, allow your worry to be a signal letting you know it's time to pray. I once had a pastor tell me this. He said, if you have time to worry about it, then, Jeremy, you have time to pray about it. And sometimes, come on, we can find ourselves, maybe just me, spending time, minutes, into hours worrying about some things. And Paul is saying that in that moment, that when you feel that worry, when you feel that anxiety, let that be a signal that it's time to pray. Now, he uses the word prayer in particular means to commune with God or to relate with God. Reminds me of Psalm 1611. David writes this, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. David says that joy is found in the presence of God. Last week, Christina and I made a parental mistake. In fact, it's a rookie mistake. When I say what we made, you're about to understand it if you're a parent. We allowed our kids to stay up past their bedtime. Any parents ever made that mistake? You're like, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be a nice parent. Give them a couple more hours. And, and, and our children woke up the next morning and they chose violence. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I mean, just woke up with a snarl on their face. Just they come downstairs, just like, oh. Do you want eggs for breakfast? No. You want cereal? No. You want waffles? No. You want anything? No. It's like, all right, all right. <laughs> like woke up on the worst side of the bed. We learned our lesson. Come on. We know that if our kids do not get their sleep, they lose their joy. Hey, listen. Here's what Paul is saying. Here's what David says. If you do not spend time in the presence of God, you will find yourself losing your joy. Because life can have a way of squeezing the joy out of you. Come, all right, you, you can, come on, you can just drive on the beltway and lose your joy. Come on, somebody. 
You can go at Rockville Pike. Anybody else, you can go at Rockville Pike, and it's like 1.30 in the afternoon. You're like, where are all these people? Like, what, what, what's it, where'd this traffic come from? You can go into work tomorrow, and you sat through those meetings where you were full of joy. Come on. But then that coworker had to open their mouth. Joy gone. <laughs> right? You had that joy. Then that bill came into your, your, your mail, and it showed you what your insurance company won't pay. Come on. Joy gone. That, that you can easily find yourself losing joy. Maybe like us, your kids wake up on the wrong side of the bed and boom, joy gone at 10 a.m. So David says we must, we must continually refill our joy in the presence of God that, that we need. Listen, let me say this. Joy will not be found in a new job. Joy will not be found, parents, when your kids go back to school this fall. Come on. Joy will not be found when your circumstances change. David wrote Psalm 16 while he was running for his life. He said, listen, joy will not be found when there's peace in the land. Joy is found in the presence of God. And here's the good news. That means regardless of what happens this week at work, regardless of what happens with that doctor's visit this week, you can have joy because of the presence of God. So that means we do things like we're doing today, that we gather together. Jesus said, we're two or more gather in my name. I am in their midst. Do you know, we don't gather just to sing songs or listen to a message. We gather because God is here right now. God is right now in the room. God is with us. That's why in the mornings you wake up, I encourage you, first thing you do. Listen, you open up your email first thing in the morning, joy gone. Come on, somebody. Right? But you, you open up the word of God. You spend time talking with God because the fullness of joy is found in his presence. He then goes on to say petition. The word petition means to ask God for something, to have a specific request for him. Reminds me what Paul also wrote to the Roman church, Romans 12, 12. He said, be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, be faithful in prayer. So that tells us that we'll have moments of affliction. Because he said, be patient. <laughs> and he said, there's joy found in hope. And what's our responsibility? He says, be faithful in prayer. A few weeks ago, we were on a road trip with our kids. And I was reminded once again by my children's level of persistence. And uh, we were in the car driving. And uh, my wife, Christina, was on the phone. And my children in the back seat, what we started to hear. And moms, you've heard this many a times. Mom, 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 mommy, right? You know when they start changing like tone and cadence and even the, the title, you know they're trying to, mom. And I thought, well, surely, like she was on the phone, that they're going to they're, they're gonna stop. No, they persisted until I eventually had to tell them, hey, listen, when your mom is off the phone, she will. Here's maybe, maybe some dads can relate to this. I'll be like, what do you need? I need mom. But what do you need from mom? I just need mom. And then when she turns around, they like hand her a snack wrapper. I'm like, dad could have done that. Dad has hands too. Hey, listen. The same degree of persistence my kids have 
and getting their mom's attention. Can I tell you what the Bible's clear on? You can have that same degree of persistence in asking God to move on your situation. The Bible's clear. Paul said to the, Thessalon- the church at Thessalonica, he says, never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. So you can call on God. Hey, God, I need you in this meeting. God, I need you to help me to parent these kids. God, I need you to help me. I'm feeling anxious over this doctor's visit. God, whatever. You can call on God. Listen, and, and let me just say this. You can ask God for things both big and small. One of the lies of the enemy is to tell some of you that, that there are bigger problems God needs to solve. Mine's not that important. Can I tell you, your God cares about your big problems and he cares about your small problems. Let me also say this. Bold prayers, as Pastor Mark Batterson says, honor God. And, and God honors bold prayers. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you prayed for something that if God did not do it, it wouldn't happen? When's the last time you asked God for something that like there's no way without you, God, this could happen? Be transparent for a moment. Last week I had a situation where I got, I got done praying. And maybe like some of you, I have some things on my prayer list. Let me just say this. I encourage you to have a prayer list. Probably at work you have a task list. So why, unless your memory is like amazing, but why would you not have a prayer list of things that you're asking God for? And we'll talk more about that next week as we begin 21 days of prayer. But there are some things on my prayer list. I got done my prayer time. And I knew this wasn't from God because it contradicts scripture. Here's how you know a thought you're having is not from God if it contradicts his word. And here was the thought I had. That my prayers really don't make that big of a difference. You ever had that moment where you got done praying and then you turned around and the situation didn't immediately change? You thought, maybe, maybe prayer doesn't work. That's the exact opposite of what God's word says. In fact, in Matthew, Jesus says when you, when you pray... You go in your room, and the Father in heaven who sees you, he will reward you. It was Jesus who said, ask, and you'll receive. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. The, the scripture is clear. God responds to our prayers. And I would encourage someone, maybe there are some of you, you've gotten tired of praying. I've been there. Maybe some of you have, have like myself, you thought, maybe my prayers aren't really making that big of a difference. But can I tell you, I think perhaps, this is just my thought, that I think sometimes when you begin to have those thoughts, perhaps you are on the verge of a miracle. Because the enemy knows. Because you're believing. You keep asking. And can I tell you, I actually think our persistence in prayer is evidence of our faith. Because even though I don't yet see it, I'm still going to believe it, God. I still believe you're a miracle-working God. I still believe you're a God who can heal. I still believe you're my provider. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep seeking. I want to challenge you. Join us for 21 days of prayer. Be here next Sunday. It's going to be join us for our prayer calls. Join us for our prayer gatherings. As we seek God together, we're going to believe for God to move. Our prayers make a difference. Pastor Mark Batterson said this, most of us don't get what we want because we quit praying. We give up too easily. We give up too soon. We quit praying right before the miracle happens. So we got to persist in prayer. Here's number two. Number two. Write this down. We gotta guard our thoughts. We gotta guard our thoughts. Paul said, he said, think about those things that are lovely, that are right, that are true, that are noble, that are admirable. 
think on those things. Paul says, be intentional about your thought life. Don't allow thoughts to come and go. Don't just allow any old thought to take residence in your your mind. But be intentional about what you're thinking upon. Be intentional about the thoughts that you're having. He also said to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 10.5, he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Paul says we actively guard our minds against destructive thoughts. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Here's that tells us there are some thoughts you have that aren't from God. You want to know a little, 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 like, little assessment of how do I know if this thought's from God? Number one, if the thought you have contradicts God's word, it's not God. God is not confused. Can I get an amen? amen. Um, it's, number two, if the thoughts you have lead to anxiety and not peace, it's not God because he's the prince of peace. If it leads to hopelessness and not hope, it's not God because he's a God of hope. Are you hearing me, church? Like, like test your thoughts. Don't just think, oh, you know, just don't let any thoughts have in your, take precedent in your mind, but, but, but be intentional. We had pest control come out to our house this week and kind of the normal sort of service they provide once a quarter. And I was reminded of when we first engaged pest control. We moved into our house where we currently live. There were some signs of um, unwelcomed visitors, rodents. And the pest control guy came out. He said, Mr. Burroughs, would you like me to put traps? I said, yes, I would. He said, we can go another level up and put sticky pads down. I said, yes, you can. <laughs> he said, Mr. Burroughs, the most extreme treatment is we can put bait stations around your house. Set them up, brother. <laughs> hey. We have not had a rodent issue in our house. Why? Because I'm guarding my house from pests. Here's what Paul says. you got to guard your mind from thoughts that God doesn't have about you, that God doesn't have about your life, that God doesn't have about this world. You have to guard your mind. Can I get practical? There's a lot of ways I could, I could take this. I spoke a little bit on this back in May. Um, in our series, Asking for a Friend, if you want to learn more about this. But let me say one kind of application for your life. Our thoughts are oftentimes the byproduct of what we consume. So the media we consume influence the thoughts that we have. And be, here's what I want to say is be mindful of what you're consuming, right? Like we all know what you eat affects your physical health. Well, what media you consume affects your mental and your spiritual health in the same way. So be mindful of how the media you consume and how it affects you. Guard against scrolling on social media when you find yourself becoming less content with your life and more jealous of somebody else's life. Guard yourself against watching or reading news. If you find yourself after you're done scrolling, you start feeling fear. Because the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. It does not say that God gives us fear. Be, 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 be mindful. Guard against those movies and those shows that you watch. Hey, let me say it this way. 
There's some media that you can consume that are, that's not intentionally sinful. It's just not helpful for you fulfilling the purposes God has for you. Yeah, you could watch that show, but if that show causes you to have lustful thoughts, it's probably not helpful. Yeah, you could go to those websites, but if, if, if going to those websites calls you to have gr- greedy kind of desires, maybe you shouldn't go to those websites. Are you hearing me, church? It's not religion. It's called wisdom. It's a difference. It's not saying, well, I can't because I'm a man of God. No. It's saying, I know myself. <laughs> So I'm not going to go to certain things. I'm not going to watch certain shows. I'm not going to scroll on certain websites. I'm not going to maybe scroll on social media at certain times or use certain apps. So I had to guard my mind. Can I speak to parents for a second? Your child's not old enough to guard their own mind. You have been given a responsibility by God to guard their mind. Hey, mom and dad, I say this with love and humility. But you need to monitor the shows your kids watch. You need to monitor what they look at on that device. Like, and let me just say this. Be more cautious than not. Because the enemy is coming for your kids. He wants to destroy their purpose while it's still in seed form. It is easier to dig up a seed than uproot an oak tree. You think he's coming hard against you? Think about your seven-year-old. Your four-year-old. Your nine-year-old. Hey, mom and dad, you have a responsibility to guard for your kids' life. God has entrusted you. They are his children before they're yours. So you don't determine how to raise them. God does. And we have a responsibility to guard our kids. Then he goes on. Jesus says this. So, so, So Paul says not just to guard, but he says, to be intentional about what you're thinking on. I say this way, be intentional about filling your mind with the truth. He says whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever's admirable, whatever's praiseworthy. He's talking about the truth of the word of God. Jesus said in Mark 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Come on, aren't you grateful for bread this morning? Come on. He didn't say Man does not live on kale alone because even Jesus didn't eat kale. Come on, somebody. You know it's true. Listen, if it was biblical, it'd be in the word. It's not bread. It's all over the scripture, okay? See? That's good. Listen, anybody else here, anybody else, do you ever get hangry? <laughs> like, like if you skip breakfast and then like at noon at work, you're just kind of like mad, Right? Like your emails got a little attitude behind it, right? You're like, what's wrong? I didn't eat breakfast. My life ain't that bad. I just need bread. Hey, listen, here's what Jesus says, though. In the same way that bread affects the body, the word of God affects your spirit. Hey, some of you have lost your joy because you're spiritually hungry. You've lost your peace. Because you're feasting more on news or social media and you're not being filled by the word of God. You're feeding on that which feeds fear, not on that which feeds peace. Here's what David said in Psalms 19. He says in verse 8, the commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. 
The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for the living. God's word gives joy. Can I give you a few scriptures to bring joy to your life this morning? Ephesians 1.3 says, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Isaiah 40.29 says, God gives strength to us when we are weary. 1 John 1.9 said, God forgives you of all of your sins. And he cleanses you of all unrighteousness. Philippians 4.19 said, God supplies all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And Psalms 23.4 reminds us that God is always with us. Can I tell you, when you fill your mind and your spirit with the word of God, some days, try, try me out on this. It will be hard for you not to have joy once you get done filling your spirit with the word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that comes from the mouth of God. You got to guard your thoughts. We got we to pray with persistence. We got to guard our thoughts. Here's point number three. Is we then have to follow God's direction. Verse 9, he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So Paul says, as James said in James 1, don't merely hear the word. You know what I would love? I would love if all you had to do was come here on Sundays and hear the word and everything. Just well, You're just blessed. He just walked in his favor. He experienced his peace. Paul, Paul said, hey, make sure in the process of you hearing, in the process of you thinking on the word, that you don't forget to actually do the word. That, that you don't forget to actually put the word of God into practice in your life. 1 John 5, 3, John says, this is the love of God. To keep his commands... And watch this. And his commands are not burdensome. I love how John adds that in there. That God's instructions, God's commands for your life are actually to bless your life, not to be a burden to your life. I mentioned a few weeks ago we were on a vacation with our kids. And I had a, another generous father moment. Um, I, 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 I want my kids to a candy shop. And I let them get several pieces of candy. Well, we got home, and I told them, I said, listen, you can eat one piece of candy right now, and then you got to save the rest for later. You all know where this is going already. <laughs> Several hours pass, and the little room they were living, they were staying in, I see wrappers, empty wrappers, as if an animal had went scavenging through their room. And then two of my children started complaining about a tummy ache. And in fact, one of them even freely gave me the rest of their candy and saying, Dad, I can't eat this anymore. I said, do you see now why your dad told you to have just one piece of candy? See, you could have enjoyed your candy over the next several days, but because you did not listen to your father, now you're sick. Now you don't even want it. Hey, listen. God's word, God's commands, God's instructions are intended to bless you, not to be a burden to you. 
When he tells us to live with purity, it's to bless us, not to be a burden to us. When he tells you to live generously, he's not trying to withhold from you. He's trying to bless you. When he tells you to forgive those who've hurt you, he's not trying to make life hard. He's trying to set you free. That these commands, the Bible says, it's, it's the words of life in these words. That God gives us instruction to bless us, not to be a burden to us. Psalm 119, 105, David wrote this. Your word is a lamp for my feet. It's one of my favorite passages. And a light for my path. A lamp for my feet implies that God's word gives me direction for my next step. And a light for my path tells me God gives me direction for my future. You know what? You know the power of the word of God when you read this every day and you follow it? It will help you with what you're facing today. And it will also give you vision for your tomorrow. It's the power of the word of God. Hey, if, if you're in a situation, a season where you're wondering, what am I going to do in this situation? Start with the word. If you're, if you're kind of thinking, you need vision for your future, start with the word. David, king of Israel, from his lineage came Jesus, wrote Psalm 119. You know, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all of the Bible. And it's all about the power of God's words. David, it's about how good God's word is. How great his commands are. Follow his directions. But in full transparency, I am naturally not a person who likes to follow directions. Anybody else with me? Come on. You just have a hard time following direction. And... Uh, one of the areas I don't like to follow direction is when I put together furniture. Anybody else, you just get bored after a while, and you're like, you know what? I think I got this. Well, I probably haven't put together furniture in seven years. So, because of this reason. When Judah, who's now seven, before he was born, I put together his crib. And I remember, like, it was the last probably, there may be like, you know, ten screws left. And I was like, I kind of got this, I, you know. I was working as a psychologist. I was like, I got two graduate degrees. Come on. Like, I, just, I got this. I put his crib together, and I called Christina in. Anybody else, you fellows, you do something handier on the house, you're like, I'm about to impress my girl. Come on. I'm like, hey, babe, come check out your boy. She comes in and puts her, her hand on the sun whom she's pregnant with, crib. The crib had a little wobble wobble to it. And it wasn't supposed to have a wobble wobble. It wasn't part of the design. So I literally had to have somebody right my wrong because I had no idea what to do. I was like, I don't know. I've learned it's not wise for me to not follow directions. Hey, listen, God's commands are not burdensome. They're to be a blessing. He's actually given us, you know the beauty of God's word? He's got direction in, the, in his word for your marriage. He's got direction in your word for how you respond to your boss at work. He's got direction in his word for how you respond to that person who hurt you. He's got direction in his word for how you manage your finances. So here's my question. If there's an area of your life where you, you feel like I'm, I'm lacking joy, I'm lacking peace, let me ask you this. Is there any area of your life where your life is not living in accordance to his word? 
In our Western culture, especially if you're like me and you've been a part of church for a while, can I, can I speak a, it's going to sound like a hard truth, but I say it as someone who I'm, I'm, I struggle with this, and perhaps many of you, that we are often educated beyond our level of obedience. We know what to do. We just don't always do it because it's hard to do, right? And God's gracious. God's loving. I don't know what your perspective of God is, but let me give you a right perspective. God's not mad at you. Can I get an amen? God loves you. God's for you. And God wants the very best for you, which is why he gives us his word. And that's the beauty of a community. Because God didn't design for you to take this book and go try to live it out by yourself. But to have other people who can pray for you and walk alongside you and help you and love you. But God's word are for our betterment. So even when the conditions of life are not perfect, God's word help you to have joy even in the midst of hard circumstances. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That when the winds came, the waves came, the storm comes, you're standing firm. Paul talking to a group of people who are in a storm, and we'll all go through storms, but we can build our life upon the rock. I'm going to close this statement, and I firmly believe this. It's all throughout the scriptures. That the kind of life that I've always wanted, the kind of life that you've always wanted, is found right in God's word. That to truly find lasting joy, to turn your worry into joy, it's found in our obedience to God's word. Amen. Let me pray for you. Bow your heads with me.